it represents an outlet for people, a brotherly affection between people who support the same team. It streamlines an interest that people can take whatever their age, whether it's on the television, in the stadium, on their mobile phones, go into a pub and try and listen to a conversation without football. Impossible. I've tried it. Not because it's me. It captivates the nation. It outreaches every other sport. The, the Board Chat, Chat Podcast. Podcast. Sponsored by the Berlin Tourism Board. This is the Port Chat Podcast. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Port Chat Podcast. We'll be taking a look at this week's action for the first team, the ladies, the juniors and the academy. We'll be looking at what's happening in the world of football, including things that affect us nationally. And we'll be finishing off, as usual, looking ahead to the coming week's fixtures with Charnett Richard and Brackley. But before we dive into Saturday's game with Hereford, I'm sure there's been plenty going on for the six of us. So let's find out if anyone has done anything interesting. We had no midweek game for the first team, but Noel, you managed to get tickets for another game this week. Yeah, yeah, it was great for the first 15 minutes, that one. It was actually, um, my niece was up, so I was seeing her anyway. And then very late on, I got a chance to take her to Anfield. She'd never been to Anfield before, so... I took her to watch Liverpool play quite well for 45 minutes and then disappear for 45 minutes. But uh, she got to see her favourite player score, um, which is good because after the result in midweek, she's banned from ever going again. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Abby. Sorry, Sorry, yeah, Dan, you know Abby, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, she's, uh, she said she was. Um, she was. She, I remember a message of me when she, I think you told her that you got tickets and you absolutely made up the hell. So, yeah, I think she enjoyed it apart from obviously the actual game. But that's every football match. <laughs> um, Mike, you've added some more to your footballogy list as well, I assume. Oh, of course, I have. Of course, I have. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a weekend without it. Um, yeah. So, I had always planned to go to Oxford this weekend, and lo and behold. The good people of Oxfordshire police decided that Oxford United against Bristol Rovers is a big derby, so moved it to half 12 to avoid any any issues, which meant I could get a double header in. So went to Oxford United and then got straight on the football supporters bus and went to Abingdon United as well. We went from the third, third tier League One to 10th tier Hellenic League Division One in the space of about 30 minutes, which was which was quite good. And in true football fashion, the the tenth tier game was a lot more enjoyable. Six goals cost me three quid instead of twenty two. The pint was nice. It wasn't it wasn't Carlsberg or Oxford or anything like that. So that was really enjoyable. They're in a bad way, um, Oxford, aren't they? They're on the uh, they're, they're starting to protest and things like that. And it, it was oh. getting quite hostile. So they started off all right. Actually, they hit the post after about thirty seconds. Uh, and then Bristol Rovers scored from a penalty. They scored a second before half time. And uh, someone near me got a big banner out, um, basically calling for the manager to go. Um, spoilers now, he has. He, he got sacked this morning. Uh, Carl oh, Robinson. Effective banner. And yeah. a, a very effective banner. The funniest bit is that a load of stewards came over and everyone thought we're shouting at them, thinking they were going to tell them to get it away. But basically, they said, oh, just move it up slightly more. And then walked off because they were in full agreement with it. So I guess that's that's <laughs> great stewarding. I, I love that. Um, so yeah, it was a very enjoyable um, enjoyable evening and everything. Lovely pubs in Oxford. Um, this is the part where I plug that I want Oxford City and the National League North next season as well. So make it happen, Vanarama, whoever not the North, decides though, is it? that. Dear me, it's not the North. Well, it's not the North. Yeah. It's basically Gloucester, though, isn't it? So we'll 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 take it. Look, get them in there, and Oxford is a great, very good away day. So I want that. I want them in there. Were they both division. new grounds for you, Mike? Uh, they were both new grounds, so that's taken me up to two five seven on ground. That's, that's and impressive. How many of the ninety two have you done? And that's now 72 of the 92, Ooh. so only 20 to go. So I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Very good. Um, Mr. Bond, um, the usual disappointment for you? Yeah, I decided to go to Goodison to watch Everton play after missing the past <laughs> two, two games. <laughs> yeah, I missed the past two games where they both bloody won. And I was like, oh, I think I'll go again now. Obviously, I was in Milan last week and I, I chose Chorley over um, the Arsenal game. Um, so I decided to go, thinking maybe they've changed that. No, no, they were, they were. No, I thought, I thought Disco Beard was gonna, you know, sort everything out. I am worried. 
I'm oh. still really worried. <laughs> I was like last week, I like last week in mind, the lads like, uh, do you think you're going to stay up? I was like, yeah, this is Sean Dice. It's HMS Pistol League from here on in. We're going to win everything. We're going to win Champions League. We're going to win all these, all these trophies. We're not to qualify to get in it first, but, um, you know, obviously, I am, I am a bit worried still. I am really a bit worried, but could be worse. I've got one. I've got one. Pick me, pick me, pick me. I've got one. Oh, I've got one. oh no, on, no, 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 he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Nick, <sighs> Nick ruined a driving test. Right, no, you make it sound like I was out and about thinking, I know, I'll ruin someone's day. And that wasn't that wasn't the case. I, you know, I, was, I was on a school run and I thought, I thought I was doing something really nice. I thought I was being a good citizen. I was following a learner driver car. I just thought it was someone out on lesson and they braked um, to put, and pulled over. And as they braked, one of their brake lights was out and the other one was like intermittently kind of flashing like, like it was on the way out. So I thought, I know, I'll warn the instructor that the brake lights are out you know <laughs> you don't you don't want to you, you don't want to throw the anchors on when you got someone on on lesson and go someone go right in the back of them yeah it's you know, being a nice so as they pulled over i pulled alongside and indicated what to wind the window down and and i sort of said across oh you, your brake lights are out to the horrified um learner driver in the driver's seat <laughs> as the person who i thought was the instructor raised a clipboard up to kind of like level and started furiously no. <laughs> writing notes down clearly they were on the test so now i feel like a horrible human being um and i didn't that wasn't my intention and she's i'm so waited, sorry she's waited eight she's waited eight months for that test she's paid 60 quid for it she's not going to be able to get another one for eight months i was more i was mortified i was mortified and i mean at least i gave her a lesson in how to make a quick getaway because i was off like at that point but yeah if 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 by chance um young lady was is a listener of the pod i'm really sorry um i am really really sorry um yeah but i thought i was lesson, being nice lesson learned yeah don't be nice to anybody yeah, i did say this i just came home and went i'm just not interacting with any humans ever again to be honest um although i do have something i do have one actually that isn't me ruining someone's life uh, this week uh so i was delivering my training this week that i usually do on a thursday uh, evening and one of the ladies that was on uh, the course that i was delivering the training to uh, was the mother of the referee for the liverpool madrid game so that was pretty cool she was uh telling you about it. she actually also went to anfield to watch her son in action so proud more moment i think he had a good game uh, even if the liverpool squad didn't it's fascinating seeing the build-up for these big games I, I work in the city center in liverpool and the the real madrid team was staying in the in the hotel opposite the office and the media scrum outside the hotel was unreal it it caught my eye when i saw real madrid media coach number five outside in the week that we just talked about ourselves not even having a team coach for buxton Anyway, I've not been anywhere new this week, but I did manage to finally catch up with a friend of mine, David Walsh, to record another episode of my other podcast, The Grains of Sand. Um, Dave's son was actually mascot of the game on Saturday. Um, anyway, we've published the first of a two-part series looking at the subject of my book, which details the origins of football in Southport. So the first part covers the events leading up to the first association game in 1881. And the second part is going to come out in a few weeks covering how the current club was formed. So as usual, you can get it on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, all the usual stuff. And it's called Grains of Sand. But before we go any further into this podcast, I'm going to introduce a new feature I'm going to give you all three clues as, the, as to the identity of a mystery sand grounder and invite you and the listeners to send in your guesses. And to kickstart us off, I'm going to offer a copy of my book as the prize. So Ooh. I'm going to give you some clues. Did you write a book, Dan? Did you write a book? I did write a book, yeah. You I'm never mentioned to <laughs> Mystery sand grounder number one. You're not allowed to introduce a new feature on this pod without moaning that you don't have a jingle. It's tradition. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a pro. I don't need a jingle. <laughs> Anyway, mystery Sangranda number one. Right. As a youth player, he spent time with two Premier League winning clubs. Number two, he holds a dual citizenship. Number three, he spent five years playing in a higher tier in a major European country. Um, I know who this is, I think. I think um, I I think our sponsors might be quite familiar with this person. 
they may well be. They may well be. So I'm going to post the clues in a lock, locked topic on the forum. And if you want to have a guess, send a private message on the forum, send us a direct message on Twitter, or even drop us an email. And I will repeat the clues again at the end of the pod. Does anyone want to have a guess while we're here? Anyone got yeah. an idea? We're gonna we're gonna bleep it out anyway. Was it, is it was it not the oh who was the um is it? It's not. No. This is someone who up until recently, if I'm not uh, mistaken, very good, Mister Warren. It is, and also could be found on the. Uh, who was not successful in getting his European move at the same time. Has anyone worked out who it is yet? Is it... No, right? is, it... It... is it... No. No, is it... No. Oh, no. Oh. See, the listeners are just going to hear a load of beeps here. They don't have a clue we're talking about, which is half the fun. Oh! I think that's where you were thinking. You, well, you're, thinking you think you're thinking someone that's... Oh. Oh, oh, oh. I, know, I know who it is. Whoa. I know who it is. Who it is. is it... Is it... It is. It yeah. is. There we go. So let's see whether let's see whether any of the listeners can get that. Anyway, midweek we were supposed to play Spennymore, but it was off because of a boiler failure in the well, I guess it was in between the two changing rooms. It supplied the hot water to both changing rooms. Um, fair to say this one got a bit of press. Not all of it positive. Some of it was hilarious, I'll be honest. But um at least the call-off was early. It, it, yeah, boilers are fiddly. My dad will tell you that. He spends most of the time moaning at me about boilers. He's got to go and fix at various places. Um, but I think we might have... Uh, hindsight's a great thing, but I think there might have been a better way to have put out that particular piece of news to the world, possibly. Um, You're nicking my bit. I'm nicking your bit. No, go on. We've talked about it. We've, we've, we've talked about it. Because, you know just there's a lot of stuff you see a lot of like you know there's a lot of tweets and things that go viral these days from football clubs and um you know everyone likes a a bit of a feel-good underdog story where people have like reached out for help i just think that you know like jay raised the point that we chatted about at home i'll let you take over this one like there probably could have been a a different way of uh of broaching it i think that might have actually got some good traction first off i think i, I i've seen some people question the version of events i don't i don't think there's any any issue there this isn't just like the stand i don't think it's just like the standard boiler you've got at home you know no, i think they're, fa they're, they're fairly industrial boilers and, and it's quite possible that the parts just aren't immediately available that the british gas guy just doesn't have them in the back of his van so i've, I've no issue with that and i've um obviously where the suggestions are why have we just used kgv changing rooms or, or meals cot changing you you can't sort that in in 10 hours you just can't and and the issue was not necessarily, I think our players would have just taken cold showers. I'm sure that that wouldn't have been a problem. You can't do that to the away team and the referee. You, you, you just can't. We are, we are obliged to provide adequate facilities for visiting opponents and the referees. So, so we can't sort that in, in short measure. I think one of the problems was, or I think what we maybe could have done is... I wouldn't have said it was a boiler failure. I would have not, I'd just been a bit broader and maybe not less specific on the problem and just said, look at it, or you call it a facilities issue or something like that, because calling it a boiler failure, it, like we just, we got rinsed in the national media. We got, we, we got absolutely rinsed. But I think if, if, and the thing is the Liverpool game was on that night. So actually having the game off, in my opinion, wasn't the worst thing in the world anyway. I do think it would have knocked 100, 150 off the gate. So I'm not hugely bemoaning the fact that the game wasn't played. But if you want that game on, right, and we've talked about lack of home games in a specified time frame and cash flow and stuff like that, you put out an appeal first thing in the morning and say, look, the game's not on currently because of this. Is there anyone in the bloody country that can help us? And some someone would have gone in their van and brought us the bit. It makes it into a positive news story. You know, the the, the, the sort of, let's, let's go get them attitude. We've got stuff done. And I, but if you're not going to do that, I wouldn't have put the whole thing in a single tweet where everyone's going to see it nationally 
and retweet it, and it just makes us look bad. So, uh, so that's maybe what I would have done differently. I think. Yeah, yeah, and if and if you know if you don't manage to get the part, you know you've looked, you've tried, you've appealed, you've done everything you can. You look like you've you've been really proactive. Um, it doesn't help that West Brom had that um that boiler, boiler mascot. mascot. <laughs> We've <laughs> seen enough pictures of him in the last few days. Like, but I did enjoy what I did enjoy was um the sheer amount of boiler and heating puns you don't get very many opportunities to drop some boiler based puns um but but the forums and the uh social media replies yeah they they were top class on some of those and we're we're, we're already in hot water no oh, yeah, there we go there we go right let's move swiftly on from that <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday, we uh, we had our second game in, you know, I think it was many weeks, against Hereford. Uh, Noel, do you want to give us a rundown of how you think we got on in this one? Uh, it was a bit frustrating, really, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I thought it was a very even game. I thought on the whole, it was a very even game. It didn't look that way in the first couple of minutes, because uh, obviously they had a great great attack, went around Tony Matt, but uh, Adam Anson... Uh, Played it off the line, but I have to be honest. From then, I felt we dominated the first half. Uh, there were very few clear cut chances, um, a couple of good moves, which really we did probably didn't test Visser in the in the goal uh, well enough. Um, uh, probably, yeah, it wasn't a great half if I'm being honest in terms of quality. It was a bit of a. Um, I think both teams were sometimes guilty of trying to play that that golden through ball, that absolute wonder pass, and it was being intercepted. One of my favourite moments was when they hit a shot which went wide, rebounded in the netting, and they celebrated like they'd scored. So that was particularly pleasing. Um, and I suppose the closest we came really was a header which hit the top of the bar. I think it was Chris Doyle with that. The only goal of the game um, came early in the second half, and I'm down the other end of the pitch in the Jack Car by that point. So difficult for me to say, but it did look preventable. First of all, we've let Holmes turn um, and get this shot away, but it just seemed it was one of those that seemed to take an age to get in, uh, get, get to go in the corner. It was well struck and it was well directed, but I suppose I'd have to watch it again. But it just looked to me like it. it it was one that that could have been got, but he shouldn't be allowed to um, to turn in the first place. What I would say is we responded really well, put them under pressure. And, um, Chris Doyle, who's surely got to be a bet for leading scorer this year, but he had a great chance to equalise it. But and Visser made a good save, but perhaps we should have not given him the opportunity to do so. Should have put it beyond him. Uh, at the other end, um, Hereford. Uh, carried more of a threat still. Uh, and Tony Matt made a really good save from a, a much better struck shot from Holmes. Um, so then Josh Miles came on. Uh, he came on for Connor Woods, who, who obviously wasn't very happy about going off and was straight down the touchline and showed off. Personally, I felt that the, the, the Hereford backline, who played very well throughout the game, it has to be said, but they were easier with the more direct approach in terms of balls in and things like that. I felt that they struggled more when players like Watson and Woods and uh, Walton uh, and then Miles ran at them. I thought that's when they struggled. So for me, I probably would have kept Woods on and possibly removed either Archer or Walton because for me, I think that would have posed a little bit more of a threat against those kind of players. But I'm sure Liam had had his reasons. That that's just what I would have done. Um, but yeah, Miles I thought was outstanding. Uh, I thought he was, to be quite frank, he was probably the best player, but certainly the best attacking player in a yellow shirt, and and, and really caused some problems. And uh, in you know he was, drew, drew fouls, but he just looked really direct, really exciting. They they really struggled with him, um, and he I mean he created one absolutely guilt edge chance. We uh, played the ball across the line and. and Poor Jordan Arch, he, he can't he can't buy a goal at the moment, bless him. Um, and, and he's hit the shot and it's sort of rebounded. It just like anywhere apart from the goal, it was just um, j- just just really easier to score. You might say, it was, and it kind of summed the game up. If I'm being honest, um, I do think we should have had a penalty. Um, there was a very very blatant shove on now Watson in the area. There's actually a gif of it on Twitter if anyone's seen it. But yeah, I, I suppose, um, I mean, Liam summed it up after the game by saying it was a team room form, and let's not forget they went and won 3-1 at Fylde 
um, only a few days earlier. But for me, I thought we were deserving of a point. But it just sums up where we are at the moment that goal scoring is an issue. Uh, I think we look solid def- generally defensively. Um, but that final third is an issue. And if we go a goal behind at the moment, it, it you know, it's a struggle to get, get back into the game. Um, there was no lack of effort. There was no lack of um, you know, endeavour, but perhaps just lacking that little bit of quality where it, where it mattered. And yeah, it was. I, I predicted a one-all. I think one-all would have been a fair reflection of the game. I don't think it was by any means our worst performance, but just really frustrated that we didn't perhaps get what we deserved. But credit to Hereford in that respect. They 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 came and they did what they have to do. I can see on the script, Dan's going to talk about stats for the next 20 minutes. So let me get this one in there before that. Um, like I, 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 I didn't see the game and I was I was working Saturday night and was was scrolling through the forum every now and then. And and it seemed to me that the reaction on the forum was I think pretty brutal, if I'm being honest. And yet, mm. when you actually read what people were saying about the game, okay, we lost. And yet, it doesn't, it didn't, it doesn't read like it was this terrible performance worthy of this big dramatic outcry. I was just wondering if you'd had a look at it and and if what you thought the react, how you sort of gauged the reaction to that game because I, I I thought the forum was probably the most brutal it's been for quite a while. I, I, I did. Was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did. I would agree with you. And I think, so, sorry, sorry, Dan, I'll just say from, from my perspective, I thought it was, um, it was not proportionate to the performance. I think it's potentially because of the poor run that yeah. we've been on. Um, I didn't think we were we were that bad, but I think perhaps because it's the, the home game, so more people have seen that performance on the back of... Um, some disappointing results away from home. Um, perhaps that's why there's been more of a reaction in that respect. But for I, I thought the reaction was a little bit disproportionate to the performance uh, for me. I think I think it was. I mean, I've seen the, I've seen the highlights back, uh, and and I don't think the game was um, anything like uh, as one sided as people were painting it out to be. I think. I feel for the lads in a way because I don't think they've been playing particularly badly. I just think they've been struggling to find the net. And I think at the end of the day, they've played some very, very tough games and got some very good results. They've had a period of time when they've been on the road with some really significant uh, distances travelled. They're part-time. They've all got other jobs. They were probably knackered and they've probably come into this start of a a run of home games. Um, basically a bit a bit worn out and they need to remind themselves really that actually on their day they're as good as anybody in the league we we've had some very very good performances against some very good sides in the league we've we yeah we may not have picked up a result against foul but we matched them for the majority of the game we've had decent results against many teams at home and we've now got is it eight or nine home games left we've got a really really good chance to pick up a serious number of points from that so yes you can look at the league and say that we're only seven points off off the bottom but we're we're not we're not out of it by any means. And I think it's in our hands to drag ourselves back. We've got some quality in the squad. We're, even the likes of Bambo. You know, Bambo's not scored for a while, but he's I'm sorry, got real Bambo. quality. Bambo's yeah. a new one. Not heard that before. Bambo. Only I'm hard to call him that. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's, got, uh, he's got a goal in his locker, hasn't he? He needs to just, mm. just remind himself that he can shoot and he can score. He's, you can do it from distance. And, and there's, there's a few of them that they just need to have a you know, bit of belief in themselves because... I mean, one of the things I wanted to mention was was attendances. They've held up. Attendances yep. have held up, and it's and it's because it's because the the team the, the support are behind them. You know, they wouldn't turn up if they didn't think they were going to put the effort in. They didn't think they were going to try. And the attendances have held up. So when even when form dips, the attendances haven't. The, the gate yesterday was just one short of our average for the season. A thousand and sixteen is not a bad average. It's higher mm. than it was last year. It's higher than it was the previous year. Um, in terms of National League North, having over a thousand average for us is good. We only got eleven hundred average when we we're in the National League, so they've not really dipped in this uh, this level. And like I say, the the reason for that is because the fans are behind the lads, so they just need to believe in themselves in the way that the supporters believe that they can do it. I think what does help in this situation is that you have got um, a group of 
players who the fans identify with. And I think you, you cannot underestimate the effect of that. Um, it, it makes a big difference. And yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, and there's certainly the scope for, you know, to, to turn those, you know, turn it around uh, and to get the results that we need. Because, you know, obviously, let, let's be brutally honest, over the years, Southport fans can become... Yeah, a bit resigned to the negative. I don't. I think we've got it within us to get some good results. Maybe not quite enough to trouble the playoffs, given that there's quite a number of teams who seem to have maintained form. Um, but but yeah, I'll tell you what. Another thing I would say is Josh Amami is a massive, massive miss for me. I mean, I think he's an outstanding player, but he's just the the player who. You know, we talked about that lack of quality in the final third, and he's the one who really can make something happen for me. I, I just think he's, um, I do hope he's back soon. I love watching him play, but I just think the, um, he was on the bench uh, yesterday. I don't know how fit he is, but I, I don't know what any of you think. I think he's a massive miss when he's not in the side. I, I completely agree. I think Josh is a fantastic, um, fantastic player to have the, you know, in the sense of the pitch, he really does pull the strings in the squad. Um, and I think he's been well. I mean, especially the start, the start, start of this sort of year, he's been he's one of the best players. And I was always sort of going, "My well, we should play every week." I also think Wood should play most games and play the most, the majority of the game. Um, really, I was obviously he got subbed off um, on Saturday, but I think he is probably one of our best players. So, a bit of a strange one to take him off. Um, but I think he's more sort of. I think Liam wants to get you know more confidence in Archer. Maybe Liam might might get a goal. See what happens. But I think I think Woods is probably one of our better players. So surprised at that sort really. I think we need to be um, mindful that there is a stark difference between. So we talked about the reaction on the forum being brutal, and it, yeah, you I agree. But split those comments from reaction to the physical the game itself and the performance and and, and the players um of which you know that the, there wasn't it, it, there was more support than criticism in that front and and the criticism of the club um which you know appears to have gathered some momentum and i think is uh, you know largely a kind of a a, a slow build of of um of, of sort of Fan unhappiness uh, that that's kind of got to a got to a breaking point and it, it's starting to starting to sort of pour out. So the, you know, I think it's mindful. We want to be mindful that you know, you are allowed to be critical um, of things you see that are happening at the club and still support the players and still support the team. Not all criticism is a crit is criticism of the the players themselves. Uh, I think I just wanted to make that point. Well, I, I think one of the things that comes into that, I think, is we're talking about is, is Liam's post match, um, because right at the end of the post match, uh, Neil Turner asked Liam if we can expect any more players in, and the vast majority of the fan base will tell you that they'd like to see one, two, three more players come in, um, and Liam said. Uh, I don't actually don't have the words in front of me, but it was words to the effect of there are issues with finances, or, or I think he said there are always issues with finances. But one of the things that he leaned on was stewarding costs um, and fines for pyro. And I think I, I think that was a bit of an unfortunate answer, actually, and. I'm sure that Liam doesn't mean to blame the fans for our current financial issues. I'm sure that wasn't what he intended to do. But to me, that's what it sounded like. And I thought that was a bit unfortunate. The stewarding, the club had a number of dedicated stewards in place on a voluntary basis that generally did the job absolutely fine, just needed a bit of careful management. Because it, it's, it's a tough job. It's a really tough job. Um, and yes, I can understand why the club wanted to bring in a dedicated security firm to address the concerns with Pyro. That's fine. I, I, I get that. But I don't believe that they are the sole, that is the sole reason for any financial issues that the club may currently be having. And it does seem to be the first time 
that the club has started to raise finance as an issue in terms of bringing players in. Um, I would be very interested to know what fines the club has received in terms of pyro because it keeps it it it's keep it keeps being thrown out there. We've had these fines of pyro. Okay, what what are the fines though? And um, I've looked into information on how and how clubs get fined on pyro. I, I actually can't find any. I think it's a statutory offence issued by the league. I may be wrong, but I've no idea how much we get fined. Um, and if it is that much of an issue, then I think there needs to be a bigger conversation about it. But it did. It, it seemed to me that fans are essentially being blamed for that. And I don't think that's the full story. I thought it was a bit of an unfortunate answer. I mean, he also mentioned the, I think he said something like the melee against Curzon. Um, but I think that was, I I, I don't know if he... Did the club were fined for the Curzon one. Yeah, I think that, I think... When there was the brawl at the end, or not Yes, but that was, that was, pl- that was players, yeah, players uh, sort of surrounding the ref or, or melee. Yeah, that, that was, that was I think that was Curzon and it was a, an on-pitch um, sort of fine. Um well, you know, previously we had we had the we had Everton stewards in, and and they must have been getting paid. Um, I don't know what the difference in costs are. You know, Liam said, "Oh, there seems to be the stewards everywhere." So many stewards. I don't know if there's a marked difference in the number of stewards. They're just a different firm um, that are present. And okay, I imagine there'll be some additional cost with regard to the the dogs, the the sniffer dogs that they okay. they come on occasion. You know, but I'd say again, it, it it did seem it just, and I think it's comments like that that have that have provoked a bit of a reaction from from fans and you can see on the forum how many times have we said you know and it's it's commonly discussed that you know oh here we are beginning of a season oh, oh it's a very small squad but you know it's not because of finance it's Liam likes to work with a small squad and that, that's always been the the party line we even said that here ourselves just a couple of weeks ago that you know that oh no no it's not a, it's not a finance issue just Liam, Liam prefers to work this way and all of a sudden it is a finance issue when we've just sent our um, who was our first sort of goalkeeper um, out the door, and uh, you know didn't particularly like for like replace Marcus Carver either. So so, and I, I say I, I agree with Jay. I don't think that was Liam's intention. It was clumsily worded, but it's come across like they're laying the fault of that at the the uh, the feet of the fans. The the messaging from the club for the past four years has been this sort of woe woe is us mentality, and. We, we've got to get away from it. We've got to get away from it. You like you, you read it in the programme or you see it on the website, you read it in interviews. We, we, we talk about, you know, all, all these problems that we've had and I'm not denying that. You know, we talk about the tough time we had with COVID, yes, but every other club did as well. And the, the club's got to find a positive message that, 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 that resonates with people. One of the things the club's done really, really well is that relationship with the players. I mean, carry on building on that. It's working really, really well. I think the relationship between the fans and the players is the best it's been for a long, long time. But there's got to there's got to be some positive message coming out of the club soon because all we read about is all the bad things that have happened and woe is us. And, and you've got to get past it and find the sort of positive mentality that fans can, t- can, can attach to. Positive message for me is the attendances. The attendances are up on previous years, and that is and oh yeah, a, and a that's, reason that's for great. that. Yeah, yeah. And it, there's a reason for that. And I think the players, the fans, getting behind the players because they've got an affiliation with them and an affinity with them is one of the reasons because they feel like they know them better than they have done for a long time. Um, and and yes, we, we, you were joking before about stats. I just wanted to to point out that. There are a number of members of the team that have been here a long time now, and that is the reason. I mean, Tony Mack moved up to number 16 of all time on the appearance list yesterday. It, it, he's now joint with Trevor Hitchin. He's got one more appearance to catch Rob Sturgeon, and the highest he could go by the end of this year is 12th ever. That's phenomenal for, for anybody. Um, that 12 spot's currently occupied by Roger Darvel on 294 appearances. So Tony Mack can can go to 12th in the all-time appearances by the end of the season. Next one on the list, Jordan Archer, we've mentioned him. He's 144. He's way down the list, but that's still, for a club of our size and the age of our club, that is that is really good. He's joint with Jack Richardson, Norrie Lloyd, Paul Rutherford, Robbie Booth. The highest he can go is 122, and he'll share that spot with Sean Worley. So, these are players that have been around a long time. The fans have got a relationship with, the fans get behind. The attendances, like I say, have been 
very, very steady for quite a long time. We've bounced back from COVID. That's the positive message for me. You know, we had a COVID season. We were worried about, are the fans going to come back? Well, they bloody have. And there's more fans this year than there was last year. So we have bounced back from COVID on, on the terraces. And we should be shouting from the rooftops about that. Yeah. Are they official statistics, Don? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> These are official games. Right. I can say. Oh. <laughs> okay. So with that week behind us, um, disappointing to lose, but we've got a few games coming up. Let's have a look at the news. Let's have a look at what's happened this week. Oh, crap. That would involve me actually having an idea of what's going on. We, we need a jingle. We need a jingle. <laughs> oh, script. You're listening to the Port Chat Podcast. Quick, quick, quick. This is quick, the quick, most quick. up-to-date news. And now we go to our correspondent, the official news check, Nick Kay. This is the Port Chat News. You know, get this on Sunground Radio, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so, Podtabulous, yes. mate. Oh, yeah, <laughs> smashing, nice. Um, so- Substitution for Harvard. <laughs> I've got some um, news. I've got news. Right. So we've got a few big things going on at the club. Um, first of all, I suppose the headline is new caterers were revealed to be the farmhouse kitchen. Um, they were uh, in action on Saturday at Hague Avenue. Uh, it seemed to be some good reviews gone down well. I will say they are the best sausage roll in Southport. So please pop down and try out their sausage rolls because they are fantastic if you haven't already. Um, and yeah, um, good luck to Rob. Um, known Rob for some time, great guy. Um, really glad that he's he's getting involved at the club. There isn't a catering company in town that Nick doesn't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is because I'm our resident fatty. Oh, I didn't um, mean that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Hey, I don't mind. I do not mind. I love a, I love a good pie, mate. Um, from the commercial side, uh, now obviously we talked about it a few weeks ago uh, about there being some uh, changes and someone coming into that role. Uh, the commercial side of things, we can now announce that it's Steve Brown. He is back uh, from his stint as general manager at Oldham, um, and he's uh, already kickstarted his efforts to uh, bring in some cash by opening up the um, perimeter boards uh, for early renewal on sale uh, this week. Um, so it was great to see. Um, there is going to be a Q&A recorded with Ian and Liam. It's not an open meeting in the bar or anything like that. It's going to be recorded via Zoom. So if you want to ask a question, you need to submit it in advance on a form that they've got on the website. You also have to provide your name and your email address and your telephone number. Rob's been clearing the questions, post on Portchat that he's got loads of them, uh, but a lot of them are on the same themes. So if you want to get your questions in and get them in, I think he did say that ones that they didn't get a chance to address um, at uh, in, in the recording, uh, they may follow up with a article in the programme or on the website. Uh, Rob also did make the point that apparently Ian has never refused to answer a question that's been submitted. So send what you like. Um, the Banbury game has been rearranged. Uh, that is now going to take place on Tuesday, the 4th of April, with a 7.45pm kickoff uh, and away from South by Sea and in the wider game, um, the white paper, the government white paper um, following Tracy Crouch's uh, report on the fan-led review has been uh, released finally. Um, it was meant to be released uh, the other week but um, it was prevented so uh, by um, the arrival, the sudden arrival of President Zelensky um, so it kind of scuppered the plans, it not got uh, thrown back back uh, a couple of weeks and it got released on Thursday. Um, very exciting. Um, has everyone else followed this? I mean, I, I, I have, obviously, because I live in the same house as you. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I've, uh, the past couple of years, I've become very interested in the fairly boring governance of the sport. And I, I think the... Um, the suggestions within the white paper uh, will be massively beneficial to the health of the game. I think it will help prevent another Berry. You know, um, a, a couple of clubs that have gone to the wall, Macclesfield, uh, clubs like that. I, I think it does help protect them. I think it should be embraced. 
Um, I think it's a shame that it, it was a white paper, not a bill, but uh, and and there'll clearly be a fight for implementation. But I, I think it's it's it would be good for fans to just become aware if you're not already about what this white paper is and what it involves and what it's suggesting and support it if you can, because I think it will be massively beneficial for football, uh, including clubs like Southport. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the key kind of point from there is that uh, to introduce a independent regulator into football. Um, obviously, I've talked about it before, but I work for the Football Supporters Association. Uh, we've been engaged in the fan-led review from sort of day one, um, uh, working with supporter groups and putting together a large kind of uh, piece of evidence that we submitted to the fan life review which you can uh, have a look at uh, it's really interesting there's some really good points made by supporters up and down the country at all different levels of the game talking about various issues that affect them and their clubs um and the two kind of key points i guess for supporters be that um you know a golden share would be issued to um a identified supporters group um preferably a supporters trust registered as a community benefit society uh, where uh, fans will have a say a, a kind of veto vote uh, on matters of heritage so things like um, club colours where you play what level you play at etc um, and also the introduction of um fan uh, kind of advisory boards like shadow boards that'll be made up of uh, various um, fan groups uh, from the supporter base representing uh, you know you, you support supporters trust traditional supporters clubs uh, various um, uh, lgbtq plus groups um, disability groups etc uh, and they will feed into the um, football club and have direct kind of communication with the football club board so there's a there's a re- there's a lot there the really really is um you know it's the paper you know it addresses all those key concerns that we had around ownership you know rogue competitions like the uh, european super league uh, and sustainability the key one being sustainability of how football clubs are run um so you know supporting the proposal put forward um there is still a long way to go um for it to be implemented uh, but I, i did notice that the roles for a um uh, positions at uh, independent regulator um, were uh, advertised fairly recently so that's kind of up and running it looks like it's up and running and yeah got to do a lot of work in, in developing how kind of like how it'll actually look so how those shadow boards for example those fan, fan advisory boards are going to be structured and the sort of remits they'll have and and like getting all of our sort of supporters trusts trained up on how to operate correctly so when they're gifted you know given this golden share you know they are operating the best they can do and this is why i talk about my thursday training this is what i i do of an evenings you know and so it, it's it's really really interesting it's really hopeful i think this is potentially the biggest change to it's gonna be the biggest change to football in our lifetime it's going to dwarf the breakaway of the Premier League in, in 92 and for the formation of that it's it's going to be absolutely huge so yeah um, check out the FSA website if you want to read up it and summarise on what the white paper is the evidence we submitted um, and just how you can get involved and how you can help um, that's um, the fsa.org.uk I think that's the best place for you to go and look Don't believe what those anonymously funded shills at the IEA tell you Indeed. And that's all from the news. I think it's it's positive, though, that we've seen on the forum this week that there are some of our fans that are interested in reviving uh, our own supporters trust, which appears to have fallen by the wayside of recent years. So I think in light of the the, the white paper, it's probably more important than ever that the, that organisation is back up and running. So um, credit to whoever it is that is, has taken the lead there in, uh, and, and asked for information from the FSA in terms of how to get themselves back up and running. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we we don't we try not to deal with our our own our own clubs and trusts and stuff. I mean, obviously, we path across paths, and we're only a small staff group. But um, you know, it, it sometimes it's just easier uh, not to. And I don't do kind of forward facing stuff anymore. Uh, I develop all of our our training and our uh, governance side of things. And, um, sort of, I'm a kind of constitutional um, expert on 
the rules and things. So, uh, but who, you know, if you're interested, I believe if I, I've left, read the thread the other day. Um, someone's put their email address up there. Um, so, you know, asking if you're interested, contact them. Please do. I think the more people that that get in touch and kind of you get a little group because you can't just rely on one person to do it. You know, you need a group of you. So, um, if if someone's put them the head above the parapet and, and are willing to do that work, reach out to them. Uh, give them a hand. Find out what you can do. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can get that back and running because say I was doing a bit of an audit the other day of how many how many you know uh, clubs uh, have supporters trusts and obviously the, it's pretty much at saturation point in the in the football league and Premier League so there's only a handful that don't um, and obviously it's really it's really beneficial it's never been more important so I think yeah really really good work. Okay, thank you very much, Nick. Uh, and now it's time for our community team news. Indeed. Good grief, I didn't. I wonder what was going on there. <laughs> so, first of all, our players of the week, a big congratulations to Luke, Seb, Zach, Katie, Joshua, Stan, Hayden, Valentino, Simon, Lottie, Jay, Elijah, Kaysen, Jack, Elliot, Joseph, Maxi, Quinn, Jason, Ethan, and all of the under eights. Black team. Oh, we, we, we really have doubled the amount of teams we've got. I was going to say, you know, from when we started in, to in, where we are now, that list is getting bigger and bigger. In, in fairness, there are a couple of awards there that are shared. Obviously, uh, yeah, the, they're not giving a trophy to every member of the under-8s black, but I'm sure they deserve it. On to the women. I was joined at this game by Mr. Bond. Um, bit, of, bit of a... Yeah, bad day at the office. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bit of bad day at the office. Um Went away to Newton Willows, lost 2-1 in the last minute, um, a game that we certainly didn't deserve to lose. If anything, we deserved to win. Without going on too far, I think there is I think some of the behavior off the pitch. Um there's a few people who need to have a good look at themselves, and I won't say any more about that. That there is a there is no place for some of the uh, shouts and behaviour that was going on. And this is the second time that we've been played this particular team, and it's um, the second time in ten years that I'm having to write um, a report about a team. So, I think that tells you everything about that. But yeah, we started really well, dominated, couldn't get the um, couldn't get the goal that our dominance reserved. And then the only poor part, poor period of the game really, was probably between half an hour and. Um, the end of the first half, and we just seemed to just stop a little bit. And to be fair to them, Newtonville Willows, they, they put us under pressure and they scored a really nicely well-worked goal. Um, the second half, we dominated, um, played some really uh, good stuff uh, and got a deserved equaliser. Fabulous free kick uh, from Georgia Davis. Uh, beautifully captured on film by Mr. Bond. You can see it on the uh, Twitter feed for the uh, for the women's team. And, and it genuinely looked for all the world. If only one team was going to win it, it was going to be uh, the Yellows. And then just, a, I won't go into detail, just a mix-up of communication at the back, a big, long punt, just absolute, and somehow the balls ended up in the back of the net. I'm not going to blame people. Um, to play in that sort of atmosphere, was they've done well to keep the cool. Um, yeah, it was... Um, it's not one that I'm going to look back on with any fondness, but I have to give massive credit to the, to the ladies for, for really for just giving their best. And it's not what any of them give up their afternoon for. Um, Katie Edwards, player of the match, had a brilliant game at the back. A special mention, I have to say, to Amber Jaram, who who made her debut and looked really lively, both on the wing and, and up top. She did really, really well. Dana, I don't know if you want to uh, comment on the game at all. Uh, I was really quite grateful for the likes of yourself and Baz coming down. It was a very strange game. Yeah, it was a strange game. Uh, I, I sort of echo what, what you said there, really. I just thought that the only poor period of the game they capitalised on. Uh, first half, I think you the first 30 minutes well on top. Uh, and then the second half, Southport way, way on top. But I'd just like to say it was nice for uh, Richard Holmes to come down and do a game. Uh, I didn't think he'd be down to that level uh, personally, um, but you know the referee that turned up that said he'd had to abandon his game before because it all kicked off. Tried to sort of start another sort of melee of things in that game. I actually felt quite sorry for him because uh, I, I think he received an inordinate amount of abuse from yeah. from. from no, we didn't. No, no, we 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 were all behave. My sideline, and he actually said this. Our sideline won't impeccably behave, but 
Um, and having had that experience in the morning, it's it, you he know, was shaking on it. You could tell he was a bit sort he, of like he, he was he, upset. He, and it's yeah. not. We, we talk about this with referees, and I'm sure you know there's a few people here be upset with something like that. No, there's no justification for abusing, for yelling, for for be you know horrid things being said towards a referee at any level of football. Um, to the point where they're upset, and I, I, it's just totally wrong. Um, you know, and he sent one of the parents on the opposition line away, who then returned. Um, but I mean, there, there, are, there are all sorts of other things going on. I, I felt, I felt very sorry for him, and I, I, you know, I think towards the end of the game, he, he did become quite flustered. But I, I have a certain amount of understanding for him in that respect. I spoke to him at the end, and I said, well. I made a couple of points, but I said I, my belief is that you wait till the end of the game, and then if you just something that you're not quite happy about, then you talk about it calmly and politely, which he, which he was grateful for. But um, I, I think, yeah, obviously his experience before that, he'd obviously had a very upsetting experience, and I think we all need to appreciate that these people, the the referees, they're doing their best and they're doing it for the love of the game in a lot of cases they are not your personal verbal punch bags yeah so, i think it's a i think it's a good point and i think it happens a lot of uh i think all levels of grassroots, grassroots football especially kids football um you hear all sorts of, i think it's probably a, a good sort of point to, to talk about as like a main point if we you know have a bit of a, a slow week or something like that um yeah. but it, it is it is a really really uh you can't be saying stuff to you know these people. These people just you know giving up their the week. Obviously, you know, they'll get a fee for doing it. But it's a, it's hard life being a referee. Um, and it's probably this is probably why there's no good referees in the in the Premier League nowadays because most of them have to have really thick skin and just not like I I went to watch Everton yesterday and Anthony Taylor was probably the worst referee I've ever seen in my life. Every time he comes to Goodison, he has no clue. He books them after two minutes, and if you do that, you've got everyone on your back for the whole game. Um, but I think there's, I think there's ways. I, I know we said that we you know, shouldn't be abusing referees, but there's ways in which to manage sort of crowds and manage games. And once you start getting your cards out and start being a bit, you know, flustered with people, it then sort of kicks off, and then everything's like, are you not booking him for that? You're not booking it, and you, you once you give him one, you've got to be consistent. And it's just, I, I would, know. I would agree. I think, I think it's fair to say there was a lack of consistency. But look, I, I said to the girls at halftime, I said. Put in a performance, and whatever the result, you put in a performance, and I'll be happy. And you'll back me up on that, Dan. Second half, they yep. were excellent. They were they really, they played some brilliant football. Um, they deserved to, a point; would have been the absolute minimum they deserved. But you know what? We learned from it. We learned from it, and um, they showed great results. They backed each other up, um, and you know, it's fair to say we were missing quite a few. You know, regular players as well. So there were a few people playing. I have to say, another person I have to mention, Maddie Burgess. She played on the right and on the left. She's not. She's a central midfielder. But I thought she had an excellent game. She really, you know, she didn't look out of position and used the ball exceptionally well. But um, it's still in our hands. It's still in our hands. It's still, uh, it's still, you know, we're still in a really strong position. That's down to the hard work of all the girls. It's just disappointing when. Things that shouldn't happen do happen, and you know, I I, I want to make it absolutely clear that there's a lot of really nice t- uh, girls in that team as well, and um, they don't deserve a few people coming and spoiling it for them. I'll be I'll be honest as well. So we get a chance to put it right next Sunday, and it's a home game. Finally, finally a home game. We've got a massive run of home games, and you know, it's brilliant to see Southport fans coming to 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 support them. You know, Dan Baz. We had Elsie and Emma last week. We got, you know, Bill Sloan came to the game last week. Fabulous. So hopefully sometime over the next few weeks, some of the some of the Southport fans can come and support the women. They are playing, and you know, I'm not I'm not making this up. Dan, might you've seen them as well. They do actually play some decent football when they get oh, the ball done. Yeah. To the today on a difficult pitch, they actually played some lovely one and two touch stuff. I was really pleased mm-hmm. with them. Um you know they're a great bunch, and it'd be brilliant. So we've got we're at home next Sunday, two p.m. kickoff at Hullsall Memorial Ground, and that's against Warrington Wolves, who who we played. We had a really good game up there last week, um, uh, which we won two 0 But be another tough game, be another entertaining game uh, as we look to bounce back from the disappointment of today. So and hopefully we can. 
Um, on the academy, um, they had a game in midweek uh, against Tranmere at GMO Sports Park. We don't have the result for that, unfortunately. I've looked on the website and we've tried to find it out, but we don't have that. Hopefully we'll have that next week. But they do seem to have a week off this week. Uh, their next scheduled game is up at Heron Eccles in Liverpool, South Liverpool there. Um, and that is on Wednesday, the 8th of March, against the Stephen Gerrard Academy, uh, Team 2. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Let it slip. Exactly. Just make sure, make sure you bring your wet, wet floor sign for you know obvious reasons. You don't want to slip up and cost your team a Premier League title or anything like that. So don't be bitter, Daniel. Uh, don't be I'm bitter. Not bitter. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that'll be that'll be. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a bad enough day today. I don't need you interrupting me. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that's a two o'clock kickoff up at the Heron Eccles Hub, um, just off Mather Avenue there. And I'm sure that if anyone is available to go, uh, any support would be appreciated. Hopefully, by next week, we'll be able to uh, break the suspense of the Tranmere game. But uh, but yeah, that, that's uh, and that is Dan. That is it. For this week, you sure? Be, I am absolutely yourself. <laughs> Do you want to say anymore? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you very much, mate. Okay, let's have a look at this week's games. We're going to start with Charnet Richard. So we have met them before, but only once, and it was at the same stage of this competition um, in on the eleventh of January last year. Um, goals on that day, we won 3 1 were from Connor Woods and two from Jordan Archer. Very familiar lineup for us Tony Mack, Charlie Oliver, Jack Doyle, Adam Anson, Doug Thorne, Connor Woods, Charlie Munro, uh, IBR, uh, Dylan Vassallo, Jack Bainbridge, and Liam Edwards. And then Jordan replaced Liam Edwards. Now, the interesting one this time around is Charnett Richard in the team this year have got a certain Mr. Simon Grand. He's played 41 times for Charnett Richard this season so far, and he's scored nine goals already. So it's going to be good to see him back. Uh, Jay, give us a bit of info about their form. Which is dead, Andy, because you've written it for me, which is brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, apparently, I, I've, I've no idea if this is true, but Dan wrote it for me. because uh, So the mid-table in the Northwest Counties Premier Division... Uh, doing uh, currently sitting in 10th, but 5th in the form table, so their form looks pretty good. They've won one, drawn one, lost one of their last six. Um, main threat is going to come from Carl Grimshaw. He scored 20, 22 in 37 games, and he's played over five, he's played 500 times for Charlotte's first team, and scored, I can't, 485 goals, yeah, is that I, right? No, it is, it's phenomenal, what? isn't it? Absolutely no. What's inside what's him up? Seriously. Now, I had a look earlier on. I mean, he's played for the reserves as well. So he scored over 500 goals for the club. But yeah, for the How many of them are in county cups, though? <laughs> are, no they, are they official stats? Are they official stats? <laughs> Could have been a COVID season, Jay. I actually thought the, the Charnock website is actually very, very good. If you want to go and have a look at it, there's a, there's a wealth of information on there. It really is very good. Uh, Mike, ref watch. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, not much intelligence on who the referee is for Tuesday's game, but I assume it'll probably be someone like my next door neighbour or someone they grab off the street about half past six on Tuesday. <laughs> Whoever wants to come in and do it. I mean, it's County Cup, isn't it? Though, if you want me to come down, happy to. I, I can't referee. I, I've not got the qualifications, but if need be, I can put a shift in. Did we, we have Neil Swarbrick once for a County Cup game? What the? Premier League guy. Yeah, he was really yeah. good as well. Really yeah. good. I remember when I was taking the under-21s once at Edge Hill, he ran the line for us. Oh, yeah. Okay, thanks, Mike. Um, let's have a look at some predictions for the cup then, because obviously you're all really interested in this one. Uh, let's start with, first on my screen, Mr. Warren. Um, I think uh, it will be a win. I think it will be a tight win. Um but I think it will be a win uh, to uh, get us back um, positive. I think I'm going to go for 3-1. Yeah, as much as I do just constantly slate county cups, I think it has come at a very good time, this one, after after the league performances. I think we're putting a really strong performance. Get back on the right track for the league game coming up on Saturday. I think we'll win this quite comfortably, 4-0. Uh, uh, I'm going to go 2-1. Uh, I think the goals will come from Connor Woods and Josh Miles. I'm going to go 3-2. And James? Uh, I predict 64-0. 
Um, <laughs> Nick can't call the answer because our carbon monoxide detectors call off at home. <laughs> so, so she's opening the windows oh. to make sure we don't die. <laughs> yeah, sixty-four nil. I'm going. I I think the carbon monoxide is getting to your brain, Jay. Bit of a theme about boilers on this one. Anyway, (laughs) 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 Mr. Bond, let's have some key information for the week. Yeah, uh, obviously Tuesday night, 7.30 kickoff, uh, which is obviously league games are usually 7.45, but it's a 7.30 for the County Cup. It's £8 to get in. It's the same price as it was for the AFC Liverpool game uh, two weeks ago. Uh, The uh, 1881 lounge will be open at 5pm before the kickoff. Uh, obviously you can win a pint in there you can also buy a match ticket in there behind the bar but you can go to the club shop as well uh, the farmhouse kitchen we did mention before are doing food now uh, on a match they have had so they're doing a range of things they're doing things like sausage rolls pies and burgers I've had some of the sausage rolls um, from the farmhouse kitchen uh, before and they were fantastic I'd personally like to say uh, good luck to Rob and Terry from the farmhouse kitchen uh, with their new venture um, if you are an away supporter, obviously there's no car park at the stadium, but you can park on the surrounding roads. Just be careful of restrictions. I think uh, there's some sort of like roads like BT Road where there is yellow lines and you can't park there on a Tuesday match day or a Saturday uh, match day. Uh, I believe there'll be a printed program as well. There usually is for these ones, but it won't be the full printed program. It'll be the, uh, I think it's like a two page thing. Uh, I want to say, I think, I don't think it's very much. Is it? Is it about is it usually 50p to a pound 50p like i thought it was 50p a pound so if you had to get one of them and um, before the game obviously club shops also open and you can get a pint inside the ground okay thank you very much right let's have a quick look forward to the weekend back in league action at brackley we've faced them nine times before since we first met them in 2017 only won once at home in october 2019 and st james's park is not a happy hunting ground for us we've only come home with a point once um, there's not a huge amount of history between us, though, but for a side that is so far away, we've got a surprising number of players who've actually played for both clubs. Um, do you all remember Mitch Austin? He was on loan with us 2014-15. He had a spell at Brackley immediately before he came to us. And uh, The most famous one's probably Carl Baker, who was there in 2019-20. Uh, Jonathan Brown, uh, the striker, uh, had a handful of games for them in 2014. Courtney Cameron had a spell with both clubs in 2015-16. And John Viscosi was with Brackley a couple of years before he joined us as well. Uh, do we know anything about form for Brackley, Jay? I don't know if you've written anything. Let me have a look. No. <laughs> you've not? <laughs> <laughs> I know they, they lost on Saturday, didn't they? They lost last Tuesday as well. Two right. feet on the spin. Conference, North, they lost to Karen on Saturday. table. They lost to Kettering on Saturday and they lost to Boston on the Tuesday before, both away well, from we're, home. We're bound to get dicked then, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Bound to get <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good job you haven't bought a train ticket or anything yet, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good job I'm not spumped 46 on a train ticket. Right, right. Brackley Town, according to Sky Sports, they're in third. They've played 33 games. They've won 16 of those games. They've drawn 10 of them, but they've lost seven. In the last six, there's a red square, a grey square, two green squares and two red squares. So it's anyone's game. <laughs> let's, let's have a look at predictions then for this one. Um, I'll start us off and I'll say that we'll get a 1-1 draw. Um, it's not our favourite place to go, is it? Let's be brutally honest. Um, it's it's a difficult one. However, they are in poor form and they're there for the taking. I predict that we are going to... I'm thinking positive. I need some positive material in my life after this weekend. And I think we're going to... Um, rely on that um, County Cup bounce, which we're going to get from Tuesday... And I think we're going to win away 2-1. Yeah, so that one point was probably one of my favourite away games I've ever been to with Jack Doyle scoring in the last minute on a Tuesday night. So I have high hopes of this. Absolutely nothing to back it up, but I do genuinely think we will just self-port this and win it 1-0. Yeah, I'd be happy with a 1-0 win. I'd be happy with a 2-1 win. And I'd be happy with the ball bouncing off the referee and going in in the 96th minute. That'd be beautiful, especially if it's Richard Holmes' referee. That'd be even more better. Nicola, you're back with us. You haven't died. I'm back with you. I haven't died. Sorry, who are we talking about now? <laughs> <laughs> who are we playing? <laughs> the carbon monoxide's gone to you. Uh, no, so I'm serious. 
listen right i've, I've got to save my family hey, you um, know the, you know the advice is we should leave the house immediately i've opened all the windows the alarm isn't going off anymore and we've turned off we only we've only got the boiler so i've turned it off well you know so yeah i think i think we'll survive oh brackley yeah away uh one nil loss i think it'd be 64 nil <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> <laughs> okay mr Bond, i know you're looking forward to this trip so give us the rundown of the key info Yes, so we're going to St. James's Park for this one, uh, which is not the St. James's Park, the home of Exeter City, or the St. James's Park, the home of a country where people chop their heads off and things like that. It is St. James's Park in Brackley, uh, oh, which is round, Sorry. around the corner from uh, the headquarters of Mercedes Formula One, uh, which is obviously the, the, obviously the place where... When Lewis Hamilton lost the 2021 World Championship to Max Verstappen. There. It was stolen. Um, no, it was not. Max Verstappen won fair and square. <laughs> Didn't. Um, but yeah, yeah, around the corner from there, um, it's a long way to go. It doesn't have a train station, so myself and Michael are getting the train uh, to Banbury and then taxiing it from there. I've got to leave my house at seven in the morning to get to, you know, for a respectful time. And I'm not going to get back until half 11. And I spent £46 on a train ticket with a rail car. Um, looking forward to that. Looking forward to it. If you're going to drive it, it's about a three-hour drive. It's 160 miles uh, down to Northamptonshire. It's £5 a park in the car park at the ground. Uh, you can buy it on Lance. Uh, you can buy it on Lance. You can buy online. Uh, for this one, it's £2 cheaper uh, on every single ticket if you buy online. So I'll tell you the online uh, prices. So £13 for adults. Concessions over 65s, £8. Under 18s are £5. Under 10s are a quid. And under 5s are completely free. But you need to have a registered or you need to be registered for your free ticket. Um, I've ne- I believe the bar is quite good at Brackley. I'm not too sure on the food because I've never actually been. It's one of the grounds I've never been to. What the food? Any ideas on the food? bar? Is amazing. So very, very newly, newly they had a fire, bar, I didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, to be fair, I've been Brackley three times. I've seen it pre-fire, fire season where it was like a tea hut serving beer, and then the new bar is very, very nice. It's it's very it's very swanky. Um, the food's decent as well, from what I remember. It's a it's a proper club, Brackley. Great, um, really, really nice, really nice club. Yeah, because my my dad tells me the story of when they when they travelled on that Tuesday night to Brackley. Obviously, it was the Jack Doyle game, and they'd got there about half five, and they sort of was like it was freezing because it was like it was like the middle of Feb, and uh, they were like, "Where can we go for a beer?" And it was like, "Oh yeah, the bar's burnt down, so you can stand outside and have a pint in a plastic cup." <laughs> so they stood for two hours for the game having a pint. <laughs> this is why when cold. I did that one, I just drank in Banbury. You just drank in Banbury. I think we'll probably do the same. Bam- same on yeah. uh, same on Saturday, but um, if you are going, please remember, uh, drink responsibly, don't drink and drive, and don't be a dick. Thank you very much, Dan. And that is just about all we've got time for. So thank you for joining us once again. Um, I did want to point out, actually, that our average number of listens per episode is actually higher than our average attendance for any season in the past <clears> 10 years. So thank you for making us part of your weekly routine. Thank you for the feedback, especially over this past week. If it is your first time listening, don't forget to give the podcast a follow via your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as each episode drops. And before we disappear, I'll just give you one more reminder of the mystery Sandgrounder competition that we're running this week. So our three clues. Number one, as a youth player, he spent time with two Premier League winning clubs. Number two, he holds a dual citizenship. And number three, he spent five years playing in higher tiers in a major European country. So if you want to enter the competition, send us a private message on the forum, drop us a direct message on Twitter, or even send us an email. And we will announce the winner in a few weeks' time. Thank you very much for listening, and come on, you yellows. Yellows.